Guideline First Look Guideline for Positioning the Patient by Karina Stanton The updated AORN Guideline for Positioning the Patient will provide guidance for positioning healthy patients with normal range of motion, undergoing operative and other invasive procedures. New and updated recommendations address safe positioning actions to be taken preoperatively and intraoperatively. Quote, New and updated practices in the guideline focus on improving awareness of potential positioning risks to mitigate injury, end quote, said Lisa Spruce, AORN Director of Evidence-Based Perioperative Practice and lead author of the guideline. Quote, Once these risks are acknowledged as a team, safe practices to prevent positioning injuries are easy to put into place, end quote. It should be noted that updated recommendations specific to preventing pressure injury will now be included in a separate guideline called the Guideline for Prevention of Perioperative Pressure Injury. Both guidelines will be available in AORN eGuidelines Plus in May 2022. The recommendations were last updated in 2017. Preoperative Briefing New recommendations were added that During the preoperative briefing, interventions that will be used to prevent positioning injury should be discussed, and potential conflicts in positioning equipment availability should be identified and resolved. Including a discussion on positioning issues and potential conflicts in equipment availability during the briefing can help increase awareness of positioning-related needs and requirements and ensure that necessary equipment is available. Quote, The new recommendations to address positioning in the preoperative briefing are designed to bring attention to the team to discuss positioning needs early, so there is no delay or safety complication. End quote, Spruce said. The effectiveness of the positioning interventions should be reviewed during the postoperative debriefing. Neurophysiological Monitoring Although not new in this update, Spruce underscored the importance of the recommendation that neurophysiological monitoring may be used to identify potential positioning injuries intraoperatively. Neurophysiological monitoring detects changes in the patient's electrophysiological conduction of peripheral nerves and central nervous system pathways that may signal early signs of nervous system damage. It allows neural function to be observed so that compromise can be detected and repositioning can be implemented before a potential injury becomes irreversible. Different options for neurophysiological monitoring, including somatosensory evoked potential, SSEP, and transcranial electrical motor evoked potential, are available for use during intraoperative care. These monitoring approaches can be used together, for example, using transcranial electrical motor evoked potential monitoring can help to validate SSEP findings and identify any emerging motor nerve injury that is not detectable using SSEP monitoring alone. Quote, Neurophysiological monitoring can be especially useful during prolonged procedures that last longer than two to three hours. End quote, Spruce said. Quote, We wanted to bring attention to this monitoring technology because it provides a valuable tool to catch nerve injury early, end quote. 
falls. To minimize the risk of patients falling from the OR bed, the perioperative team should determine which member should be responsible for remaining at their side while they are on the OR bed. Research has indicated that a lack of clear communication about who is responsible for continually monitoring the patient after safety straps come off or before the patient is transferred to the OR bed is a contributing factor to patient falls. Quote, Establishing a team member to be in charge of monitoring the patient provides a more robust way to make sure the patient is protected from the devastating consequences of a fall, end quote, Spruce said. She suggested that the timeout provides a good opportunity to establish who will monitor the patient for the duration of the procedure. Arm tucking the patient's arm should be positioned by tucking them at the sides with a draw sheet, securing them at the sides using arm guards, flexing and securing them across the body, or extending them on arm boards. The statement that arm positioning is determined by the needs of the surgical team and the physical limitations of the patient was strengthened in this update, based on newer, higher-quality evidence. Quote, In the previous version of the guideline, the guidance on tucking patient arms was prescriptive and included a diagram of how the arm should be tucked. However, through further investigation, we identified multiple ways to tuck patient arms safely. End quote, Spruce said. Quote, Instead of being prescriptive with our description and diagram of how arms should be tucked, we now only say what the goals are, placing the arms in a neutral position with the palms facing the body, and without hyperextension of the elbow. End quote. Extra padding should be provided for the patient's elbows and hands. It is important that the body part distal to the joint is not inverted or averted, adducted or abducted, or flexed or extended, because this can stretch the median nerve. Of note, tucking the arms has been linked to ulnar neuropathy. It may be beneficial to avoid tucking the arms in patients with other risk factors. Postoperative vision loss. Increased intraocular pressure, IOP, can cause compromised blood flow to the optic nerve, which can lead to postoperative vision loss, POVL, and permanent blindness. Procedure-related factors, such as prolonged procedural time, high-volume infusion, and placing the patient in the prone or Trendelenburg positions can increase the risk of increased IOP leading to POVL. Two systematic reviews of the effect of the prone and Trendelenburg positions on IOP during surgery are cited in the guideline to help surgical teams understand how quickly increased IOP can lead to POVL. For example, patients in the prone position experienced significantly increased IOP between induction of anesthesia and up to 10 minutes in the prone position. And IOP continued to increase significantly until the end of the time in the prone position. The systematic review evaluating IOP for patients in the Trendelenburg position found that IOP increased significantly after abdominal insufflation and during the time in the Trendelenburg position, and that in 95% of all populations in the study, IOP could increase by as much as 28.1 millimeters of mercury. 
approaches to mitigate the risk of increased IOP and POVL in the Pronin-Trendelenburg positions should be implemented because specific patient-related factors, such as older age, male biological sex, preoperative anemia, vascular conditions, obesity, tobacco use, and diabetic retinopathy, also can increase the risk of POVL. Perioperative teams should screen patients for these risk factors. Quote, When risk factors for potential vision loss are identified, a consultation with a patient may be conducted to inform them prior to the surgery that they are at high risk for this postoperative complication. End quote, Spruce said. Shoulder braces. The guideline now recommends against using shoulder braces to prevent sliding when patients are in the Trendelenburg position because compression over the acromion by shoulder braces can injure the brachial plexus. A study measuring the pressure placed on the shoulders during 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, and 30-degree Trendelenburg positions using different patient positioning systems found that as the degree of the Trendelenburg position increased, the shoulder pressure increased, and that in the 30-degree Trendelenburg position, shoulder braces transmitted the most pressure to the shoulders. Other options to prevent patients from sliding in the Trendelenburg position should be used, including convoluted foam or viscoelastic gel overlays, vacuum-packed positioning devices, or other positioning devices designed for this purpose. Conclusion It is important for perioperative team members to have an awareness of positioning risks that can result in patient injury and approaches to mitigate these risks, such as including discussions of these approaches during the preoperative briefing and using neurophysiological monitoring intraoperatively. This updated guideline also provides new insights related to tucking arms and preventing falls, POVL, and sliding.